Welcome back to another AllHoosiers.com podcast with your host yet again. I'm Tony Adrania. Uh, today we've got a few guests lined up for you, but first uh, and foremost, we've got Jimmy Cavanaugh. Jimmy is the managing editor of IU Sportcom, and then he's the voice of IU Volleyball. He is on WIUX. Uh, basically, if you know who Jeremy Gray is, Jimmy is the student version of him. That's what I like to tell people, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm the student version of Jeremy Gray, I guess. Well, you're the voice of IU softball and volleyball and all, all this, and you kind of you kind of do it all. I guess I'll take that. I, I'm a little I'm mildly disappointed, Tony. I thought I had you in my corner for the Pierce Kavanaugh transition. Oh, excuse me. I forgot Jimmy had a name change uh, <laughs> in the last month. Uh, he is now Pierce Kavanaugh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page there. Yeah, people have, believe it or not, been giving me a little bit of crap for that. So I'm just kind of slogging through. No, it's it's funny. I was talking to Adam Cohen, uh, another WIUX guy, and he was mentioned that he was doing Hoosier Hysteria broadcast. And I asked who he was doing it with, and he said, oh, some kid named Pierce. And I was like, man, I've never heard of that. That's weird that he would do the broadcast. And so I said, is he a, I said, is he in student media? And he said, well, he's, he gets paid by IU Athletics, but I think he's still a student, too, but I don't really know. And I was just like, oh, that's interesting. I never clicked that it was you <laughs> until finally he said, of course, I'm talking about Jimmy. I was like, oh, okay, now I know who you're talking about. But, oh, yeah, so uh, we'll start with that. You're you're uh, broadcasting Hoosiers Terry tomorrow for Big Ten Network? Yeah, 100%. It'll be the live stream. you got to pay a little bit out of pocket for it, but. I'll tell you what I've told everybody else who used to complain about this thing not being televised at all. It's a price that a lot of people, I think, are willing to pay to see Hoosier Hysteria and what it has become. It's really been a great event, and I'm expecting this year to be no different. I'm excited to be doing it with Adam. Hey, um, what I hear is that you've got really, really big shoes to fill from the broadcasters last year. Allegedly, yes. There was some... uh, some Italian-American dude who really pulled it off of some redhead who's currently in the Indiana Athletics office. I'm, of course, talking, Tony, about you and Sam. I heard the same thing. I didn't get to watch it because I was in Annapolis watching IU football get their brains beat in by a similar Navy team that did that to them this year. But, you know, that was it, it sounded like it was a good time. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but on a more serious note, kind of just tell us what you're expecting to see um, out of Hoosier Hysteria this year, uh, crowd-wise, uh, just player-wise, you know, whole kit and caboodle there. Well, it would be really hard to see the atmosphere match last year, as I understand it, because that thing was sold out, I thought, like an hour in advance of things even happening on the court there. Um, you might be able to confirm or deny that, but I think it was literally them turning away people at the door because there was not room in the assembly hall. Sage Steele hosted, and it was a whole shebang with the number one team in the country opening things up to its fans for the first time. This year, not so much. There's more, There are a lot more question marks around this team, centering on Noah Vonley. He's the big stud freshman everyone's talking about. Everyone's excited about Troy Williams competing in the dunk contest, and he's not going to be doing that because he hurt his hand. And the other big stud freshman, Luke Fisher, that everyone wanted to see, he's supposed to replace Cody Zeller won't be participating because he hurt his shoulder going for a rebound a couple weeks ago. So I don't think we know yet what we're going to see at Hoosier's area and what we're going to see 
for that matter, out of this team, they've got a lot of questions. Yeah, I completely agree. And two of the guys that I was that really intrigued me and that I wanted to see were Luke Fisher and Troy Williams because I think they're two guys that kind of have question marks next to them, but at the same time are two guys that are going to play a big role on, on this Indiana Hoosiers basketball team this year. Um, so them being out at Hoosier Hysteria, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's not a huge deal, but for the media guys and fans alike, it, it's kind of disappointing because, you know, you wanted to see how these guys were going to perform uh, somewhat when the lights are on. And particularly Fisher, because, Tony, you want to know who IU's big guys are this year? Fisher. <laughs> well, Fisher's there. Honor's there. Peter Jerkins there. And Jeff Howard is probably next in line. That should tell you all you need to know about the front court depth. It's a little thin. I know Vonley will be tossed in there, too. But they're going to be having to go small if Luke Fisher can't play. Yeah, and the thing that's worrisome is that Fisher has been somewhat injury prone. I mean, I think he missed his junior season or got hurt his junior high school of high school season. Uh, Peter Jerkin and Hunter Perea have, have both had injury problems in the past. So, I mean, if if those guys go down for any extended period of time, we're looking at, at seriously Jeff Howard playing some serious minutes. Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure that I would go too far in on Fisher and read into him being injury prone. He did break his hand, and I think that was his either his sophomore or his junior year. I can't recall which, but he had to learn to shoot with his left hand and came back really better from it and absolutely destroyed Wisconsin basketball last year. He won every game that he played his last two years of high school ball. I don't think he's necessarily injury-prone. It's just a couple instances of bad luck with this kid, and I think he'll bounce back fine. I'm interested to see him on the floor, and we won't do that in Hoosier Hysteria. Peter Jerkin is certainly injury-prone. I don't think we'll see him really at all. I would not expect, if I'm an IU fan, to get anything productive from Peter Jerkin this year because expecting that is setting yourself up for misery or worse. And, you know, if you're looking at Peter Jerkin trying to play real minutes, that's probably not a reason, realistic, reasonable option. So really you're left with Noah Vonley at 6'9", 240, probably the best rebounding presence Crean has had in his time at IU. Luke Fisher, who is just about seven feet tall, and Hunter Perret, who Hunter Mascara Perret, excuse me, who is six foot nine of chiseled human being. I've seen him in person, Tony, and he's big. They've got a lot of they've got physicality up front that they can use with those three guys. But then you look at tossing Jeremy Hollowell at the mix at the four. And there are some other options. They can go with that. So when you look at this Indiana team this season, we're on the eve of Hoosier Hysteria chatting back and forth right now. Going forward, I mean, what what are you expecting to see from this team just as a whole? I want to I want to ask you to give a record, but you know, how far do you think they may advance uh, this season? Whether that be the NIT, NCAA, you know, what are your thoughts? I'm honestly, I don't know. And I don't feel bad copying out because Tom Crean said last night at his annual address at the auditorium that he doesn't know what to expect with this team. And I think that tells you all that anybody could want or care to know about this squad. I think there's a little bit of, there's some troubling potential here with these guys, just from how young they are. I mean, we'll see he's won games before, obviously. Yogi Ferrell started every contest last year on IU's first Big Ten champs in 2002. But there are a lot of, excuse me, a lot of guys who've never gone into another Big Ten arena 
and had to try and take out a win on the road. And they're going to have to do that an awful lot this year. I'm, I'm a little worried about that. I have trouble seeing these guys finishing very much above 500 in conference. And if they get a few bad breaks, like they did a couple of years ago, I can see them finishing below that. They can miss the NCAA tournament, Tony. Yeah, and uh, and I totally agree with with you and Tom Green. As a matter of fact, um, that I mean, it's just it's such a different team from last year, and you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, I think what scares a lot of Hoosier Hoosier fans is that uh, Tom coach Tom Crean coached basketball teams without Cody Zeller at Indiana have not been good. Now, on the outside of that, they haven't had the talent that they're going to have this year. So, I'm by no means am I saying that without Cody Zeller, uh, Tom Crean teams are going to be awful because that's just not the case. I think Indiana has a lot of talent this year and potential, but at the same time, um, they don't have a lot of experience. They don't have a ton of depth in terms of just really, really what strong guys. They didn't even really have a lot of depth last season at times. Um, so it, it, it definitely, I can see why there's some IU fans worried. I see rumblings on Twitter about, you know, I don't know what to think about this season and, I think it'll be a really fun season to follow, though, because it's definitely a season, I think, where you're going to see uh, several ups and downs, and it's going to be interesting to see how the IU fan base rides those ways. Yeah, I think that's the most fascinating thing about how this is going to go, because IU fans are not notorious for being capable of riding waves gracefully. I, all you have to do is look back to last year and two years ago. I mean, two years ago, really, everybody got a blank slate because everyone was happy with how things went. But you know, IU lost, I think, four conference games all last season. And there were still people who were saying, Tom Green is not the guy for Indiana. <laughs> I mean, if there were those people last season, they'll come out in spades this year. Uh, and I tell me, I want to revisit what you asked me a little bit earlier. You just trying to put a gauge on this team, I'm really inclined to say that they could win somewhere in a five or six game range between, let's say 15, I think their floor is 15 wins this season. I don't think they can lose fewer than that. I don't think they can win fewer than that. And I don't see them being able to win realistically more than 21 games. But that's a really big swing. (laughs) I can tell you all you need to know about how far of a breadth this team has for being pretty good and pretty mediocre. Do you think tomorrow night will will give you a better gauge after seeing some of these guys play for the first time? I think, you know, as weird and as crazy as this sounds, I think the answer is yes in a couple ways. Because, number one, we have not seen anybody besides, literally, we have not seen anybody besides Will Sheehy, Yogi Ferrell, and Austin Etherington on this team hit a shot, a three-point shot, at Assembly Hall. I mean, technically, Taylor Ware is on there, too. But, you know, my, my love for Taylor aside, I, was say, I can't that. believe you didn't. he wasn't first on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe Taylor will get some playing time. But if he doesn't, you're looking at six guys, and really with this lineup, five of them have legitimate chances to play. I don't think Colin Hartman's going to get on the floor. But everyone else... I think has a legitimate chance to get out there and show what they can do. And I want to know if any of these guys can hit shots from three because they don't have a lot of that this year. Is there a sleeper this year that you think uh, has either seen vast improvement either from last season at IU 
or or somebody that people aren't really talking a whole lot about that you think can uh, you know maybe bring IU to the next level from the middle tier of the Big Ten to the top tier? Can I bring a couple guys out? Why not? Okay, because a I think Jeremy Hallowell is going to be a stud at some point at Indiana. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but yeah, everyone says there's a lot of Christian Watford. And remembering what Watford did his freshman year, how frustrating he was to watch on that miserable 10-win team, and how he grew to a 17-point-a-game scorer his sophomore year before finally getting some talent around him, I think Hallowell could do the same thing. He can be a better shooter than what he was last year. Uh, no one's really talked a lot about two freshmen that I want to get to. Stan Robinson and Devin Davis has fallen between the cracks a little bit. Robinson will have a chance to play some shooting guard minutes. And Davis, I think, is a junkyard dog who, if he gets in, he'll be productive as a six seven, you know, two twenty five pound hunk of granite for a freshman. Really, if he can get a little more in condition, I think he'll be fine. Evan Gordon, no one's really mentioned. He's kind of a wild card. I don't know what he's going to do. And finally, Tony, this is going to sound weird as well. Will Sheehy? Everyone's talked about him being a leader. Talked about him needing to take on more of a role, but I don't think people have really internalized what that means because I remember a couple of years ago, Jeff Goodman, formerly of CBS, now of ESPN, was at an Indiana practice. But the Will Sheehy was consistently a couple practices that he was the best player on the floor and that he would be a first team big 10 player before his career at IU was over. And as much as Crean talks about his work ethic and as much as Indiana lost from last year, based on that and what Sheehy brings to games, I think we could legitimately see him shoot up the Big Ten boards, at the very least, as one of the top players in the conference, given the opportunity. No, I totally agree with, with a lot of what you said there. You said a lot there, but I... I, I did say a lot. I know you <laughs> wanted one sleeper, and I gave you six. But that really gives you <laughs> an idea of what this team is. There's so many, like, there's so many variables. So much could go right, and a whole lot can go wrong. And and I remember that that exact statement by Goodman, and and I think that you bringing that up is very good. I mean, Will Sheehy is already one of the best athletes in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, the guy can jump out of the gym, uh, ton of athleticism. He's been able to shoot the ball fairly well, somewhat inconsistent at times, um, but sometimes he lights out. And then he's a guy that just his motor's always going and his work ethic is strong, like you said, and like Preen always mentioned. So Will Sheehy definitely is a guy I think that could be mentioned as one of the top players in the Big Ten by the end of the year, um, especially if, if Indiana wins some games they're not supposed to and he kind of puts the team on his back in those. So I'm really excited to, to see what he can do for Indiana this season because he's, kind of, he's kind of been an X factor anyway and kind of – I want to say he was the barometer of Indiana, but a lot of times – Indiana kind of played how Will Sheehy played last year. If he didn't bring a lot of energy, Indiana didn't bring a lot of energy. And I know that All Depot and Zeller were the, the core of that team and the focus of that team. And if they didn't play well, obviously other guys wouldn't. But when Sheehy came in the games and, and Indiana was struggling and he really got them going, they didn't really look back. And when he came in the game and didn't give them much of a spark, it seemed like it was kind of a grinded-out grudge match the rest of the game. So I think Will Sheehy can definitely be a barometer of this Indiana team and I'd almost go as far to say that he kind of was last year. I mean, uh, it, it's tough to say that because they had two guys that were two top four picks in the NBA draft. But 
I really do think Will Sheehy was a bigger role on last year's team than he probably gets credit for. It's funny hearing people talk about Sheehy, and it's really it's Will Sheehy and Yogi Ferrell's team at this point. And Tom Crean indicated as much. Again, I'll uh, bring up my boy Taylor Ware here when he mentions Taylor Ware and Jeff Howard as being two much-needed leadership presences on this team. <laughs> because you know nothing against them, but if you're counting on a couple walk-ons who have been here for four years to share enough of the load, because Sheehy and Farrell, I mean, Farrell's a sophomore. He's been here for one year. He started, and that's good, but he's still trying to figure things out, too. This is a very young team. It's going to go really... As Will Sheehy goes, I'm. I've told people that I'm gung ho for the Will Sheehy era of Indiana basketball because it's going to be one season that, for better or worse, people will always be able to remember who we're around for. And I think it'll either go spectacularly, you know, just up in flames, or you know, they could exceed some expectations. What uh, what are you expecting to see from Yogi Ferrell this season? We haven't really touched on him a whole lot outside of mentioning his name a couple of times. So what do you think uh, is a real, realistic expectation for Yogi Ferrell this season? I think Yogi thinks he can shoot now, which is good because last year he could not at all. I mean, he was a sub 40% shooter from the floor most of the year and just about 30% from three. He showed better than that at Park Tudor. He's undersized and he's going to have, trouble, I think, for the rest of his career finishing around the basket in college, let alone the NBA, if he wants to go that far at some point. I think you can expect some great passing from him. I think he can make the guys on the floor around him better. I think Noah Vonley's transition, particularly to college basketball, will be easier with a point guard like Yogi, giving him some easy chances once or twice a game. And And so... We, we've talked about the Indiana basketball team. We've talked about Hoosier hysteria tomorrow. Um, any last thoughts or, or, or comments about uh, what you're expecting to see tomorrow or your excitement for, for broadcasting for the Big Ten Network or where the people can find the broadcast? You can find it on btntogo.com, I think it is. You can pay some – I think the price for it is $14, and you get that in an exhibition game. You know, so two for the price of one, it's worth it. Your first look at the Indiana basketball team if you can't get down. As to what I'm excited for, um, there's going to be a new shooting contest this year. It's a two ball women's and men's combination team up deal, and Taylor Ware will be participating in that. So I, uh, I sincerely look forward to putting on my fan hat and just virulently rooting for this kid during the broadcast. I'm excited. I'm excited to, to see that. I think Peter Jerkin is also participating in that. Oh goodness, that'll be fun. Yeah, so that that definitely should be an interesting contest. I, I'm kind of disappointed they did away with the uh, the long shot contest or whatever last year. I think last year the finals was Cody Zeller versus Johnny Marlin. Yeah, I'm actually I I'm fine with that because three point sh- I, not three point shots are fine. Half court shots are really worthless in the grand scheme of things. It's cool to see someone hit it, but let the fans shoot those. The actual basketball players can hit actual shots. Let them do that. I don't know. Tell that to Luke Zeller. <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> no, but I'm just kidding. But, but yeah, so <laughs> you guys should definitely check out uh, Jimmy tomorrow on, on BTN to go. 
if uh, if you aren't able to catch the game, uh, or not the game, Hoosier Hysteria at Assembly Hall. Um, if you go to Assembly Hall tomorrow, I recommend going early. Um, I think you're supposed to bring a canned good. Uh, they're trying to top like 12,000 canned goods that were brought last year. So uh, do your due diligence there and bring a canned good if you're going in. It's a free, fun, exciting event. Um, and I and it really should be intriguing just to see what these guys do. Um, but, Jimmy, um, we're, we're not done with you because I know, like I said, you're Mr. I. You, you follow all the sports. Let's transition to football a little bit. Indiana football sits at 2-2 two and two on the season. Uh, they're heading into their fifth straight home game, their conference opener, against Penn State. In my eyes, this is a must-win game. If Indiana has any bowl aspirations, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is absolutely a must-win. Tony, I've, I covered Indiana football for the past two years for IE Sportcom. I'm not doing it this year because of the volleyball deal. And I was really disappointed because I thought that this was the year that Indiana football breaks through and wins eight games and goes to a mid-tier bowl game that Northwestern would go to. Instead, they give us a game against Navy where the Navy midshipmen score 41 points and beat Indiana in Memorial Stadium. The same Navy team, by the way, that goes out and loses 19-7 to Western Kentucky. That's another story. And then, if that's not enough, Missouri comes in and puts up the most yards allowed, uh, except for maybe Wisconsin. That might have been it. More yards than just about anybody else. More than 600, if that tells you anything, than almost any other opponent in Memorial Stadium history. Another relative shellacking that was not as close as the final score would indicate. These guys are 500 right now, and they've played all four games at home, and they're about ready to go into the Big Ten. I know the Big Ten's not as tough as it was before. I know Penn State's beatable. Michigan State is a dumpster fire, and they play a couple more winnable games at home. They've got Purdue, they've got Illinois, and they've got Minnesota. But I'm right with you. They need to beat Penn State because there's not a lot of margin for error, especially the way the defense is played. Yeah, and in my eyes, there's no way you can go two and three on a five-game homestand and all of a sudden just expect to win four out of your next seven. I mean, that's in my eyes, it's just is impossible for Indiana football. I mean, um, and until they prove that that is some type of possibility, I will never think they could do something like that. Um, it's it's just really. Go ahead. I was going to say this is what Indiana football fans try and talk themselves into every year. I mean, they always try and like kind of massage the schedule to six wins. This year was a lot easier because there are a lot of winnable games. There's eight home contests, but now it's down to the same old thing. It's like, well, maybe we can get a win here, and maybe we can do this. It's like, no, I, we we can beat Purdue. We you know we're we're looking at this. Indiana can beat Purdue, and that's about the only certainty left on this schedule. Because everything else has got to be totally up in the air. Yeah, it's 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 disappointing, uh, definitely from the fans' perspective. Um, and you know, a lot of media outlets tabbed Indiana as, as you know a team to really watch out for. And I know at the beginning of the season they were um, predicted to go to a bowl from most outlets. And and like you said, you know they had eight home games that literally every home game was winnable on the schedule. Um, and it's, it still is. I mean, the remaining ones, obviously. Um, and it's just, it's disappointing because it's just like you watch that Missouri game with Indiana and Missouri, and it's just like they didn't it's come out with a sense of urgency at all. I mean, I know that that's 
sometimes that's a cliche saying, but they really didn't seem like there was a lot of energy out there on the field. I mean, Missouri opened the game up 14 nothing, seemed like pretty much right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, I really can't say anything to add on to that. It just seemed like Indiana, if they weren't, I didn't know if it was so much that they weren't urgent. It was more that they seemed tense, that they knew there was a lot of pressure on them. And I don't think that's going to change now because they've been trying to come back and prove they're a good football team for the past two years. And they've had flashes, but most of those flashes came when nobody believed in them anyway, or they were playing a miserable football team. They're not going to have that yet. and They're going to... They're going to have to lose a lot more games. I'll put it like this. They're going to have to lose some games they can win before they put themselves in a position like that again. And you do that, and there's not a lot of margin for error like we just talked about. In Indiana's first four games, what have you seen that's been encouraging? Something that can tell the fans there is hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, they've got a lot of skill. They don't have the starting offensive linemen at a lot of spots they were hoping to have. So I guess that's something to keep an eye on. Peyton Eckert has not played. Dan Feeney has missed the entire season with a foot injury. Um, and then even Bernard Taylor has been up and down in and out of the lineup. And that's three of five linemen. So I can understand some of the stuff there. Tevin Coleman's been dynamite early on. I like him. The sophomore from Tinley Park, Illinois. Nate Sudfeld's done some Nate Sudfeld things, which is all good, by the way. I love Nate Sudfeld. And then their skill position receivers. The only guy they have graduating, I think, is Kofi Hughes after this year. Ted Bolser, the tight end's been strong. They have so many offensive weapons, and the defense, it's still young, and most of the playmakers are freshmen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, on the offensive side of things, I don't think there's there's too much to be concerned about. The Missouri game uh, was definitely the worst the offense has looked. Um, They just looked a little lethargic. Nate Sudfeld wasn't really on point. Um, but, I mean, you look at Nate Sudfeld, he's a guy that, that came into Indiana um, probably thinking he was going to redshirt his freshman year uh, with Trey Roberson back there. When I looked at um, – why is this Nate Sudfeld, excuse me. When I looked at him, I thought he was a guy that his junior and senior year he was going to lead Indiana. Well, last season he put up some good numbers, and then this season um, he's put up good numbers in the first four games – so what are your thoughts on, on Indiana? They've kind of flirted with the two-quarterback system. And, and, you know, the saying I've always kind of rolled with is if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, what are your thoughts on Indiana kind of implementing somewhat of a two-quarterback system? I don't like it, and I'm not nearly alone. I think everybody feels the same way. I was a charter member, Tony, of Team Trey. I was all in on Trey Roberson. He reminded me of Kellen Lewis. He was fast. He was shifty. And he was the only bright spot in that 1-11 season, quite frankly, uh, offensively. He led the IU offense that had been miserable to an average of like 21 or 2 points a game in his starts against some pretty good teams. And Duffy Keel and Ed Wright Baker had been so far below that that Roberson was a welcome change. But after watching the way their offensive offenses run with both guys out there, it's evident that they play differently when the two guys are out doing different things and that Nate Sudfeld seems to fit this offense's personnel better. Is this a thing that kind of whoever ends up winning this job by the end of the year, you see the other one transferring? <sighs> I hope that's not the case because I think it would be nice if every quarterback 
every backup quarterback, excuse me, in the Big Ten was as capable as Trey Roberson, that would be a really deep quarterback league because I think Trey can go somewhere and play very well. I think he could really play very well here, but Nate Sudfeld can just play better. And having that option makes things a lot harder on the coaching staff, which likes both guys. I, I hope it's not the case. I could un- understand certainly why Trey Roberson or you know, maybe Sudfeld would want to transfer at the end of this year if they don't have for sure the starting job. Yeah, it, the only thing I look at with, with that situation is that if Trey wanted to transfer, he'd have to sit out another season. Uh, he already sat out most of last year with his leg injury. Um, so that's the one thing I definitely think would hinder that decision. Um, I think it's something that maybe IU could look at next season is possibly working him into some other type of skill position or something else, something where he's still on the field and able to contribute. But that's down the line. There's still eight games left in this season, and who knows what could happen. So let's talk about this Penn State game here, uh, Jimmy, or, or Pierce, excuse me. Uh, this this whole name change, if you guys don't know, like, Jimmy or Pierce, this thing is real. Like, he was called Jimmy until a month ago, and now he goes by Pierce. So I'm, I'm not making things up. This is 100% serious. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, talk a little bit about this Penn State game and kind of what you're expecting to see in it. Oh, uh, gracious. I mean, the I, – I don't know. I really don't know this. IU team is Jekyll and Hyde, and they've been that way really since you started following Indiana football. Um, all you can expect to see is what they've given you, and that's a high-scoring affair because the defense has not shown it can stop anybody. And the offense has been good enough to keep pace for the most part, with the exception, notably, of that Missouri game. IU got flacked by Penn State last year. Hopefully that's still fresh in memory, and hopefully the fact that it's at Happy Valley last time around will make this one a little easier. I think you can expect both teams to score in the 30s, and hopefully IU comes out on the higher end of that. Yeah, and Penn State is definitely no team that, you can walk over with when Penn State went through all their their struggles and their troubles. I thought, wow, this is this is a team that IU is probably going to actually be able to beat a few times. IU has never beaten Penn State ever in the history of IU versus Penn State. It's never happened, um, which is unfortunate for Indiana. However, I think this season it's definitely not out of reach. Penn State is three and one, yes, but they've beaten Syracuse, Eastern Michigan, and Kent State, and they've lost to I think UCF. Um, so Indiana, I think something that has played to their advantage is that um, regardless of Indiana being two and two, and some and some people saying their opponents were out of conference, blah blah. I think Indiana's non-conference schedule is tougher than most, and I think that can kind of somewhat prepared them uh, for this Penn State game. I hope so. I mean, really, there's uh, yeah, there, I think both teams are on a pretty even playing field, and there's no way that I can kick this game if you're going to threaten my life, if you all got into my head, I would make sure that I made amends with everybody in this world, because whichever team I pick, I will not feel at all confident about it. I think either side could win this. Um, say, the, say what you will about either team, Indiana or Penn State. I think they're both pretty evenly matched. So is there a factor that something you think Indiana has to do in order to kind of swing your confidence in them of beating Penn State? They need to stop the run, for goodness sake. They've not done that all year, and they always have one or two games where they jump on a team 
and they stack the box and they somehow hold a guy like Le'Veon Bell last year in the first half. They did a good job on him. And it came basically out of nowhere and it let them go up pretty big on Michigan State. People thought that IU had a chance to win that game, and they eventually fell apart. But if they could put a game, put a game like that together for four quarters and they can stop the run and make the freshman Hackenberg beat you, then you've got a fighting chance. Yeah, that's that's what's somewhat worrisome as you look at uh, Penn State. They've got two guys that are uh, both pretty good rushers in Zwinak and Belton. Uh, Zwinak averaging 4.4 yards per rush and Belton averaging 7.7 yards per rush. Um, that doesn't bode well for Indiana's ability. Uh, Indiana's ability, obviously, stopping the rush. Yeah, just put put the eight guys in the box. Leave Tim Bennett on an island and hope that even if Penn State scores, they score quick and the offense will get the ball back. I mean, if you don't, if you haven't seen Indiana's rushing yards allowed per game, it's it's currently at 247.8 yards per. Um, I mean, those are numbers. Those are video game numbers. That, seriously, I mean, they're only giving up 215 pass yards per game, uh, which isn't bad at all. But that's because teams are just running all over them. Yeah, because there's no need no to the pass when you can run. So hopefully you can change that this weekend. Yeah, and Indiana also giving up uh, just about 33 points per game, whereas Penn State's only giving up 14 per game, and their last game was a shutout. Um, and they're, they also beat Eastern Michigan and only gave up seven points. Um, so do you think Indiana's offense will struggle at all playing against this Penn State D? I think they will. Frankly, there will be an adjustment period. My question is, will the D hold up long enough to give you a little time to figure things out? I think it will be a slow start. And, of course, that means it will be a 14-all game after the first four total possessions. But I, I think both teams will have to figure each other out a little bit, and then we might see the points rack up. So uh, as we wrap things up here with the IU and Penn State talk, uh, I know you said that you don't really know what's going to happen and, if there was a gun put to your head, you'd make a minute with everybody. But uh, give me some type of score prediction here. I'm going to say 38-35. I think Indiana can win this, so I'm going to stick with them for one more week. I picked them to win eight games at the start of the year. So this is literally just about my last chance for that to be a, to, for that to be a thing. So let's go, IU. Let's, let's not make a fool out of me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I predicted seven or eight myself. Um, so that, that's tough. I predicted them to win every game as well this season, the week prior. Uh, so I may as well roll with that once more and predict them <laughs> to beat Penn State uh, for the first time in program history, uh, which is saying a lot. But, yeah, I'll, I'll pick Indiana and the score similar to yours. I'll say 41-38. IU um, squeaks one by Penn State. And if they can win that game, uh, especially in a close one, I think that can build a lot of momentum for the season. So I think this game is – Huge, very, very huge for Indiana to win. Yeah, Tony, if IU does not score in the 30s, point blank, IU does not win. They've got to hit 30 or 35. Oh, I completely agree, and I think that pretty much goes for the rest of the season each and every game. I mean, their their defense just, as we mentioned, just doesn't have the personnel yet um, to, to really make plays and, and stop some Big Ten offenses, much less you know, Mac offenses and, and Navy and whatnot. But that's that's beside the point. So, Jimmy, just real quick before we go, um, just right before we were actually on the phone together, as good luck, Okanobo made a decision to go to UNLV. That's another recruit that has spurned IU. 
is there something going on down in Bloomington, uh, or is it just IU's had some bad luck with some guys? Uh, I can I can plead the fifth on that, can I? <laughs> is that a lot? <laughs> you must. You must. I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you this because um, the way that Indiana has performed recently on the recruiting trail has gotten a few people down here a little nervous. I won't drop any particular names, but they've had some commits who have been really good, who have decommitted and have not yet filled up those spots with similarly talented players. So I guess that's all I'll say. There are some people who are getting ready to push the panic button. That's another reason this basketball season is so big, because if this team comes out and wins 15 games and then loses Will she, then you're looking at a team next year it's really hoping Noah Vonley stays around. It, you know, really hopes that these guys develop because right now there's not a whole lot of calorie coming in. No, definitely not. And and you know, I, you mentioned this some of the guys in this 2014 class that were committed to Indiana and then have decommitted. To me, that's that's not as bad as it seems when you look at this 2014 class as a whole in Indiana. We're looking at the top five players in Indiana have all decommitted from a verbal commitment. Trayvon Blewett decommitted from UCLA this afternoon, just a month after he committed to where his high school coach now coaches. So, I mean, this 2014 class from the state of Indiana, it's just, it's just definitely been an odd year. Yeah. Maybe that, uh, maybe that means some, maybe that means some Trevon. I'd be all right with that. Yeah. I mean, who knows if I, he'll still be on IE's radar. You'd have to think so. I mean, with, you know, you mentioned that IE's lost some talented guys, um, we look at um, Devin Robinson is going to be in town tomorrow night at Hoosier Hysteria. I'll be interested to see if Trayvon Blewett ends up at Hoosier Hysteria tomorrow now that he's decommitted from UCLA. Um, some other guys on Indiana's radar, obviously their number one uh, radar is Dante Axum uh, out of Australia, but it all signs point to him going pro. Um, I mean, but could you imagine if he somehow ended up in Indiana next season? Yeah, that's what I've kept. Uh, I keep making this joke to people. At least I think it's a joke. <laughs> if it ends up coming true, it'll just make me look clairvoyant, and I'll pretend I was serious all along. But I keep saying, hey, guys, we'll be fine once we get Exum. Everyone <laughs> keeps looking at me like, what are you talking about, dude? But yeah, that's the Exum. The best. He's by far the most talented target that they really still have. And I, I've heard nothing about them continuing to pursue him, basically just saying, please, Dante. Consider college. We need you. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be uh, quite the turn of events if, for some reason, he chooses not to go to the NBA, and then chooses IU over Kentucky, Michigan, North and North Carolina. Uh, but they're also looking at Devin Robinson, who will be in tomorrow. And then after that, I mean, Ahmed Hill, he won't even be at Hoosier Stereo tomorrow. Uh, Jabari Craig is a six eleven center uh, out of Waynesboro, Virginia. And, and then after that, I mean, you're looking at most guys. Um, that Indiana has his targets that are three stars or two star recruits. So, um, you know, guys are committing more and more. This, I mean, signing day is in about a month. So I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet for IU, but uh, it, it certainly uh, is starting to look bleak for Indiana in the 2014 recruiting class. And that's life, that's life in Hoosier Nation. Fingers always placed near the conveniently located panic button for whatever reason. Oh yeah, that's that's just how it goes. And you know, being down there for four years myself, I, I definitely understand that. Um, and, and I'm sure you do too, being down there. And just 
I know both of us have grown up around Indiana basketball, so um, we're definitely familiar with how soon uh, people hit that panic button. And with Twitter now, you get to see them do it publicly, and it, it's a lot, a lot of times it's actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but anyway, uh, so do I call you Pierce now? Is that how this goes? Tony, I, I, I'll tell you the same thing that I tell everybody when I introduce myself. I introduce myself as Pierce Capital and say, friends, call me Jimmy. And you're a friend. Your grandfather's in. Don't worry about it. All right. Well, uh, next time if I, I call you Pierce from the start, then I'll roll with that. But since I've called you Jimmy this whole entire time, I'll continue that. But <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and taking time out of your prep for Hoosier's Theory tomorrow and talking with us here on allhoosiers.com. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I'll give uh, I'll give a couple little shameless plugs before I get out again. Be sure to watch online. It should be fun if you can't get in the building. And uh, you can you can always follow on Twitter. I'm sure you follow Tony. Throw a follow my way, would you? Make me feel important. It's at JPCIV. I'm uh, I'll be I, I tweet pretty consistently about all things IU basketball, football, and a bunch of other things too. So again, that's at JPCIV. And that is once more at JPCIV. Give Jimmy a follow on Twitter. He's uh he's pretty witty, and, and I enjoy that. He's at 414 <laughs> followers right now. Um, by the end of two years, wow, I added two. Dang. By the end of <laughs> wow, you're really on top of those numbers already. <laughs> by the end of who's your tomorrow? Hopefully, we're over 500. Uh, let's do that for him, and and hopefully, some people <laughs> start following him um, as well. But Jimmy, once again, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, any last words? Uh, last words? That sounds a little morbid. I might just leave without doing that. <laughs> or you could do that, too. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, we really do appreciate you coming on uh, for another edition here of our allhoosiers.com podcast. I think we're rolling with episode number seven or eight here. We appreciate all you guys sticking with us. As you've seen, we've had plenty of football coverage on allhoosiers.com, blanket coverage for each and every single week. And we plan to do the same for the basketball season and give you the best content that there is. So once again, we appreciate you listening to this podcast here on allhoosiers.com. For Jimmy Cavanaugh from IU Sportcom, WIUX, IUHoosiers.com, I'm Tony Adrania, and thank you for listening. <laughs>